Today, our guest is Damien Martoni. Damien is an experienced designer and a household name in the Berlin design scene. He is also the founder of Berlin Product Design Meetup and the very well-received Berlin Hatch Design Conference, which will go into its third edition come September 2024. In this episode, we are talking about meetups, conferences, and how to organize design events. I am Nikla Kiev. I'm Ningfei Oh, and this is Design Unframed, the podcast that believes that every pixel has a story. Hi, Damien. Thank you so much for joining us today. Ning and I know you from Hatch Conference, a design conference in Berlin, but you also have a lot of experience as a designer and uh, in the design industry. Uh, how did you come to work as a designer and how did your journey look like? Um, I mean, I, I studied graphic design when I, you know, when I started, uh, I was starting university and, and it was kind of clear to me that I wanted to do something in that direction. But I guess as most people, when they start studying something, they don't really know what it's going to be like. Um, luckily for me, it was, it was not what I expected, but it was something that I really liked. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm originally from Buenos Aires, Argentina, that's where I studied graphic design. And, you know, it's a very traditional kind of um, school following the rules of like Bauhaus and Ulm as well. So it's uh, pretty much very, very actively practical. Um, and, and while you do have a lot of theory, then most of the stuff happens like in the kind of workshop environment with your, with your teachers and your, and your teammates. Um, so I studied graphic design and that's how I wanted to continue doing, doing design. But I was always a bit on the geeky side and was always, you know, meddling with like programming and like tech stuff. Um, it was kind of the, the, the beginning of like the fast internet connections, I would say. So, um, <laughs> I was, yeah, it was really fun. And, and I was always the kind of person who was more into the, into the, the, the websites and that kind of stuff. And all my other, you know, mates were, uh, illustrators and like artists and like they were into like printing and all that kind of stuff, which I also loved, but, uh, I always went into like web web stuff and I started working as a graphic designer, but at one point I was making more money working on the side doing websites um, than they could pay me in a, in a graphic design studio. Um, so I continued to that path until the point where someone was like, Hey, there's this new thing, the iPhone, can you do like apps? And I'm like, sure. Uh, <laughs> and that's how I became a UX designer. Yeah. That's the story when there was no one else to do it. You know, <laughs> you had the time to learn it. It was a crazy time. I remember I came to design from the opposite part mm -hmm. because I was studying engineering at the university and I started digging into design, graphic design. It was iPhone and everyone started asking for, for apps and there were no guides, nothing. Just do whatever you want. And uh, we started doing it in Photoshop. It was crazy. Photoshop for designing apps. Yeah. Yeah. We've come a long way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was, it was it was a different time for sure. So that it was just learning by doing, and 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 um, at a certain point, I I was yeah. At a certain point, it became like what was most requested, right? And after having a bit of experience of like at the beginning, it was like, okay, what is this thing? You need to export in like two sizes. Like, how do you do that? And um, obviously, the like, screens were very different, and the and the requirements were very different, also in performance uh, and stuff. Um, and then fast forward to a few years and I, you know, well, not so many years after I um, came to Berlin, Germany to do a German course of three months and uh, almost 10 years later, still <laughs> I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so Damien, Hatch Conference is only in its second edition. And I remember I really enjoyed attending the event in October. It was 
refreshing because it felt to me like it was a conference that was organized by designers and for designers. And, you know, the flow of events felt really natural, but intentional at the same time. And it felt like the people there were genuinely, you know, um, learning from one another. So it was a great vibe and I really enjoyed it. Can you tell us a bit about what inspired you and how you got started with Hatch? Um, yeah, so I think it, it all started uh, at the beginning, like mid, mid 2021 when the pandemic had slowed down a little bit and it was kind of like safe to meet again. And a friend and I were just thinking like, hey, um, you know, we really miss this design meetups that were happening in Berlin all the time. And we said, let's just let's just talk to the people who organized those big, you know, meetups that were back then and, and, and let's offer our time to help them out, to help them come back. And we were talking to like, you know, all the big ones uh, and they were all like, ah, we're not sure yet. Or, you know, some people have left Berlin already. Some, so much has changed. Um, and we were like, Okay, if no one wants to start a meetup, then let's do it. Uh, so we we started our own, and uh, obviously it was really really tough at the moment because we had still a lot of restrictions. We had to do like you know masks and tests and all this kind of stuff. It was impossible to find an office. It took us a very long time. Luckily, the people from Red Sofa in Berlin had this uh, store that was like you know ground floor office, so they can open everything, and it was you know it was quite a nice a nice spot. Um, and we started these meetups that started growing really well, and they're still actually running. Uh, I'm, this, this friend's not involved anymore, but I have a, a team of other few people helping out. And um, they're now in like the 24th edition. But back in the, like the third, um, someone came to me from the, Nick from the, he was working at Berlin Partner, one of the organisms that helps, uh, you know, sort of tech and innovation in Berlin. And he said, hey, have you thought of doing this in a kind of a larger scale? Because there's definitely some funding for it. There's definitely, you know, the interest uh, and there's nothing like this in Berlin. And I couldn't quite believe it because I was thinking like, but Berlin's such a like a design hub. How can the, how can it be that there is no UX conference? And like I researched and effectively there was nothing. Um, so I started sort of the planning of what's going to be like, you know, three years into this becoming what, what I, what I wanted it to become. Um, and that's sort of how every, when everything started. Wow, so this has been three years in the making. Cool. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we started uh, we started end of twenty twenty one, and um, I you know I consider that next year will be the edition where everything is is kind of kind of fitting as as I wanted on on the original one. But obviously, year one and two had to had to adapt to the possibilities and the and and starting something new. So you had to cut a lot of stuff off to launch the first edition. I mean, there there were multiple things for to start. Um, to rent out a venue, you need to rent it many months in advance. So we had to rent a venue in January 2022 while there was still a big lockdown in Germany. Wow. Like people were not allowed out of their house, you know, yeah. out of the like to get together or anything like that. And we were betting that we would be able to do that. So two things happened because of that. Um, the, the first thing was like we only could cap it to around 150 people because that was what mm. we knew that the government would allow um, to, to have as, a, as, a, as an event, even if we did a test by then or something like that. Um, and the second thing, which actually became a trade of the conference, was because we only could have 150 people, we thought, how can we make it, especially for sponsors, how can we make this relevant, right? To be like, okay, it's not just 150 random people, that's too small, can be like a random meeting. So we decided, hey, why don't we do this for seniors and above uh, in a way to be like, as it's more specific, you know, it's different to have 150 people in a room than 150 designers, which are seniors, which are in this type of the part of the career, et cetera. And, and that sort of became what is hatched today uh, in terms of, in terms of that. 
um, requirements. Yeah, yeah, it's like Hatch is a really is a really great conference. It's not a wonder that you spend so much time organizing it. I remember when I spoke on a stage for the first time as a designer, uh, I was talking about components and how to set them up in Figma. Uh, in Figma. It was Sketch in Sketch, uh, such a prehistoric times as well. <laughs> uh, and uh, I remember being really excited and at the same time, super, super scared. I thought I would mess things up, but Thank God it went well. I got a lot of good feedback from colleagues and from from the audience, and it gave a boost to to my career and also on a personal level. But I cannot imagine how it feels to organize a conference. And uh, can you remember how it felt the moment when you were on stage at the first edition of Hatch with a crowd before you? Um... It was funny because I did the first presentation, like welcoming everyone. And then I got down the stage and my my teammates were like, oh, like you were so confident and so relaxed and whatever. And my thought was like, it was so hard to get to this point that there's nothing that can happen on stage that will make me feel bad at all. If I make a mistake or whatever, that means nothing. It, this was like <laughs> blood, sweat and tears. So it was actually not not at all. Um, it, was, it, was, it was quite, I think the... The day where we were building up was a little kind of emotional, but then actually being there, it was just like, okay, it's it's happened now. It is what it is. We had um, we had terrible rain that day, and we had like a stage that was outdoors. So I was worried about like other stuff, right? Like it was not, I was not really in the moment. And and to be honest, I have very few memories of like that moment just because my head was somewhere else. Do you remember maybe how it impacted you personally, maybe in your career as well? For sure. I mean, this is what. Um, one of the greatest things of organizing something like this and why I always encourage designers to have side projects or start businesses is because it just gives you the excuse to just expand your network like exponentially. And the crazy thing is like with the excuse of me organizing this little event, I could have conversations with designers and people that I never would have reached out or would have thought that I could, you know, that they could be interested in talking to me. Um, this just really made me um, gain access to a lot of people and a lot of and a lot of companies uh, that before was not possible. Um, and this is where the real there's a, there's a part that's not measurable about you know kind of the success because you can be like okay you know are you profitable how much and you know what what are your plans or how much can you expand that kind of stuff sure you can measure but like the the network capital is really like a like an uncountable thing yeah i understand how that is i mean you talk to any designer you ask them hey like do you know damien they're like yeah damien martin yeah of course yeah and yeah no i'm so you're like, you're like a household name in berlin right now in Martin's, for sure yeah yeah i mean i don't know some people do certain stuff for different reasons me personally i'm not the kind of person who likes to be in the spotlight i'm always more like i like to shed the spotlight but i sometimes feel like if i don't if i'm not the one who's like building a platform or pushing for certain stuff no one wants to do it so it's exactly the same as the meetups, right? I was like, it would have been much more comfortable to be in a team of people who were already doing this and just go with them. But if no one wants to do it, okay, I'll just carry it on my shoulder and just do it. But I don't want to be like, okay, like you talk and you, you know, well, I'm, a, I'm in a podcast right now, but you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah. How did you, I'm curious then, how did you find a group of people to work with? Um, surely you couldn't have gone at it all on your own. Um, I'm sure there's like a good organizing team and there's people behind you. How did you find those people and, you know, what drove you to, or what drove them rather, you know, to, to join you in this venture? 
Yeah, it was great. Um, it was a great coincidence. Or I started everything by myself, uh, obviously with the help of Nick, who was at, at Berlin Partner at the moment, just like helping me out with just some possibilities and you know looking for some sponsorship. And obviously, the, the amount of people that have helped make this happen is like infinite. Uh, but I started everything on my own uh, interest. Uh, I remember it kind of started also. I put a tweet out and I just had like a graphic and I had like the, the ring, which I had already kind of designed. And I, I think I wrote like, I'm starting a design conference. And then from there on, like lots of people started like commenting and, you know, some good things, some not so good things. Um, but so your, your graphic design, your graphic design skills came into play. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the reason why this happened is because I'm good at faking things, right? Like I, I can, I can, I can put a nice landing page and people are like, okay, that looks <laughs> legit. I'm going to buy a ticket because there was nothing right. When people, but it's true. And this is the superpower of designers, yeah. right? Like I can make you believe that, that we, I mean, sometimes people are like, how, you know, how many people are you? And I'm like, well, it's me. And then there's this guy who helps, you know, a little part-time. And then there's this girl who like helps out and comes to the MC, but that's it. Like we're just three people. Uh, uh, and, mm -hmm. and, and it's mostly like, yeah. Um, but it's, it, I found um, basically from, from this Twitter exchange, uh, one guy who's Alex, Alex Thurman, he wrote me and he's like, he's from, uh, he's from Wales, lives in, lives in, was living in Berlin for uh, a short time. And he was like, hey, anything that you want, maybe I can help you out. I, I haven't organized events, but I can be of help if you need. And I, and I met him and I was like, that's fantastic. Like, how would you think about like taking care of the online conference? Because I don't have capacity for that. And he's like, I have no idea how to do it. And I'm like, me neither. Let's do it together. Um, and this is kind of like, it was really great because he's, he's, uh, we're very different and, and really complimentary in a lot of stuff. And I think he was very scared, but he, he did a great job and this year even better. So it was, it was really great. And with Clemens, who's like the MC of the conference, uh, I had seen her through my network that she was doing some webinars on freelancing and stuff. And she also wrote me at the, at the saying like, Hey, do you need any help? Or, you know, like, can I, you know, I, I don't know if she wanted to speak or do something there. And I was like, well, if you're actually mean it, I would like someone to actually be the MC of the conference because I, with all my work, I cannot really be on stage and, and presenting and stuff. She was really surprised that I asked her this, but she said yes. And, you know, now she's, um, I mean, you've seen her live. She's amazing. And um, it really, really was great that, that it could happen. That's wonderful. I mean, sometimes we're surprised at the the random kindness, you know, that comes our way when we're designing such things or when we're organizing such events. Um, or just in life in general. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it wasn't an easy feat, you know, by any standard. And from my experience, I've been to a few conferences. Some of them can seem, you know, a little stale or sometimes overpriced. And sometimes people just attend to grab free coffee or swag, you know, that kind of thing. So in your experience, how did you think of the things that made Hatch so engaging or inclusive for the design community? Um, I had also attended before some conferences and my main thought was the following if there's two things first of all if you're going to make someone spend like 13 hours in a place it better be a cool place and you better want to stay there and what you need for someone to actually want to not leave is first to be comfortable right that involves like being able to sit in a nice place have some nice food nice drinks like be you know nice temperature all that kind of stuff that otherwise you like okay let's go out um the second thing would obviously be to have, you know, an engaging reason to be there. Obviously, speakers, content, all that stuff that's so important. And the third one is like that your peers are also there and that you feel like if you're leaving, you're missing out, right? So those are the three things that I put the main focus on. Um, and, and they're all kind of just as important as the other ones. 
so this is this is the the, the key um, the key elements of how Hatch came to be. And we already said, okay, you know, there's there's this thing that happens a lot in conferences, especially in the big ones, where you're like, hey, um, actually, like it's too random, right? The people that you meet over there, it's really hard to like find your crew. Or sometimes it's like, yeah, you know, nice that you do this and this and that is interesting, but I'm actually here to like network with my own or find a new job or something like that. So what we wanted to do is like make it super specific. And what happened in the first one is like, there was only 150 people, but no matter where you turn around, everyone was a senior designer or, or lead designer or something like that. So there was, there was like this, this, this really magical thing that happened over there and that um, we wanted to like even, you know, make it, make it further for next year. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I felt that a hundred percent at Hatch, you know, um, you turn a corner and someone's a, a designer at this amazing company. So there was a sense of really strong camaraderie and fraternity and people, you know, were just very candid with one another because we all share the same, uh, the same experiences to an extent, right? And the location is super cool. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's, it's at uh, Silent Green um, in Berlin, which is a, a repurposed crematorium, right? It turns something dead into something so alive. And when you go underground, it's kind of like a, a matrix mm -hmm. Zion kind of space, you know, <laughs> yes. it's, it's super, it's super cool. Um, you know, very, very beautiful space. So props to that. It's actually cool also because you organize a conference for senior people. Uh, you can talk about things that only people uh, on the middle level and above understand. You shouldn't explain some really basic stuff mm -hmm. uh, as on some general conferences. You can just start talking about something on the on the higher level uh, or like on a deeper level. It makes the event more engaging and focused. We were very conscious that after COVID as well, there was already so much information online that why would you attend the conference, right? You can see like any big design speaker already for free on YouTube or something like that. So we understood that the purpose of the conference, while the content was what drives you in, it's not fully to like sit down for eight hours or 10 hours and just listen to talk after talk after talk. As also we did it like, okay, the first thing we say when you, we get on stage, is like, you're going to miss on talks because there's going to be like stuff going on and you're going to have to like switch stages. And it's uh, so we, it tends to be a little more like a festival in the way of like, you're not meant to like sit down in a theater, watch eight great talks and take a lunch break or whatever, and then continue. It's really about you exploring and you, uh, you know, pre-signing up for certain stuff. And, and we had different things to do. And this makes the day, you know, go by super fast. Damien, do you remember any funny anecdotes, interesting stories or personalities that you've come across while planning for Hatch? Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, the rain thing was, was I think, one of the experiences that <laughs> sort of like marked me the most because I, you know, we had this first year, this venue that was like beautiful for the, you know, we had the beginning of the summer, the end of the summer uh, venue. And we had this giant outdoor part. We had Figma sponsor. They had like a terrace outside. We had an outdoor stage with like the small, the smaller stage. And days before I started seeing that there was this like forecast of like insane rain and it oh, kept man. changing and stuff. But I had, you know, my heart in my throat. Because I was like, all oh, these people are going to come and it's going to be raining and they're going to be so upset and they're going to be mad and they're going to hate the conference. <laughs> the first one ever. Um, and funnily enough, it, it, it actually created a really special atmosphere. While it was raining, like tropical rain, like it never rains in Berlin. I'd never seen that in all my years wow. in Berlin. It created this thing where people are just like all cramping up in the, in the little stage under the roof and just listening to the talks. It, it made it quite, quite special. Um, so that's that's one thing that I always that I always remember and and really it's kind of 
it was kind of the worst thing that could happen in that in that regard and it happened and then after that it's like all right after this what else you know what else can go wrong um that was that was definitely one one bad one on on kind of on a maybe funnier um funnier anecdote is like after the first um the first one ended um me and sergi who's also i mean i didn't count him on the team but he also flies in he's a friend who used to live in berlin now he lives in barcelona flew in and helped out on both on both editions uh great guy and we were having dinner in barcelona one day and i was like he was like what are you gonna do for the next edition and i'm like i'm like I don't know, I'll just bring someone like Brad Frost. And we were like, <laughs> <laughs> like, how is that? How is that going to work? You know, it's like, yeah. where is that going to be? like? And I mean, I sent him an email and he said, yes. And <laughs> and you have Brad Frost. Yes. So that was, that was pretty crazy. That was a moment where you're like, okay, but so I, all I need to do is ask, like, what is, what is that about? Mm. Um, so definitely a, a great, a great lesson in that. Um, I think those are, those, those are definitely two defining, defining anecdotes. <laughs> So let's imagine that we want to organize a design event in a smaller city, let's say Tallinn, Estonia. Uh, where should we start? Or where would you start, Damien? Uh, as I said, everything needs to start in Excel sheet. Um, this is, I mean, you, you can't forget that this has to work out as a business. And while there might be, obviously, like year one, we had losses, we, we did not make a profit. And But you have to you have to know that and you have to make your... Kind of your business plan and um, accordingly to that. So I think you need to start with an actual sheet of just being like, how much does the venue cost here? You know, what can I, what can I get, and what can't I get? And you know, what's the catering cost and whatever? Uh, what am I going to decide of how much I'm going to pay the speaker? So who can I reach with my budget, etc. And then once you have that number divided by the amount of people who can come, plus the profit that you want to make, etc. And this is this is where you start because otherwise you can have greatest ideas. You can have someone amazing coming to speak, but um, it has to be a business that is viable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then after that, it's just more about, I guess, a concept. And 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 um, particularly, I think there's too many, you know, there's too many conferences and there's too many meetups and things like that. And, and what happens is like, there's a big kind of generic bubble of events. Um, people, you know, if you, if you don't propose something that's interesting and different enough, people will just skip it. Uh, so that's why we go with something that's as bold as just being like senior and above only and like to happening in this way, like it's multiple stages and whatever. So it's not for everyone. And we know that. And, um, I think the better you define kind of who's your customer and who's the person who's going to enjoy this the most, the more you can tailor to that. And you have to be okay with just like leaving everyone else out because otherwise you just end up with this generic thing that no one really likes or it serves no one. Right. Um, and then after that, I think it's just uh, yeah, getting getting your network right and getting uh, the right people to help, um, and you know, having having a concept in general of what what that's going to be like. Um, then yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Once you have that, the rest just like rolls in. <laughs> Damon, how do you balance topics? Because you can find yourself in a situation when you have, for example, three topics about design mm -hmm. systems. Yeah. How do you avoid that? I think that ultimately the curation is a lot of what makes a conference different than others. There are conferences that are kind of very, um, you know, on the, the very academic side and they're, you know, very much about that kind of like people doing research and, and stuff like that. There's conferences where all about like big names and headliners and just throwing out, you know, everything to the, to the fire. Um, 
And what we personally try to do is, I, I think we believe that we're a market-oriented conference. So we definitely feel like I want the people to come to the conference and leave with something that's graspable and usable for them, actionable in the next few months, right? And and not just come and think that they just heard about it, like nice theory or like designers think, saying how great design is because that, that serves no one, right? Um, so we always try to make, uh, you know, a, a, a bit of a balance between like, okay, what is, where's the market going? Where do you see it's going and, and the trends, but not in the trends and just like what cool stuff is happening, but also like, also what bad stuff is happening, right? Like this, this year with layoffs and stuff like that, there was a lot of, was a lot of uh, concern and, and content around that. Um, and obviously because we have this very specific audience that is like seniors and seniors, especially transitioning into design leadership and stuff like that, we have um, a very, it's easy to be like, okay, what are those people going through? So you go and ask them and, um, and they're happy to tell you. And obviously with the meetups and with the network in general in Berlin and, and the rest of, of the Europe, um, that becomes easy. So it's not, it's not like we're, uh, we're like digging, digging underground to just try to see what's going on. We just try to serve that. Obviously you cannot always find the right person to do the right thing. Um, Particularly, we also, um, obviously, you know, we put a call for speakers out there last year. We'll do the same this year. We had maybe like eight spots and we had like 130 people applying. And it's like so hard to just go through everything. You want to make sure that you give everyone the right time. Um, there's also obviously the, the the part about having a, a diverse lineup of speakers, not having the same people over and over again, people who are featured all the time everywhere or just the same prototypical conference speaker uh, you want to have, uh, you know, uh, something that represents everything. And especially for us, because we're a conference in Europe, we want to have a European representation that's really, to us, while we have like Brad and Jamie and stuff who are, who are American, like to us, it was not about like representing the American market because very few people there would benefit out of it. Um, it was really more about representing the European market. You you told that there were a lot of people, like hundreds applied for for the conference. Can you give some tips for those people how to apply better, what to talk about, uh, what not to talk about? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we in our call for speakers, we really put a lot of time explaining what we're looking for. While there is like a possibility of submitting whatever you want, we do have certain topics that we're interested in. Uh, we do have, um, a, you know, a whole description of how everything works. Um, and to us, what's really important is that that is that it comes from a personal side, like what you're actually going to speak about. Um, and that that's not always necessarily based on your career, but you know, some people were like, Oh, you know, AI is trending. So I'm going to talk about AI. And then it's like, okay, what's your experience with that? Not, nothing really. I just, I'm very well informed. And so we want to have people that are really hands on and stuff. So the best thing that someone wants to do when they want to apply is to really think of like, what have I done or what do you, I do or how do I think that's very different. And that can really only I can, we had like one of the fields of like uh, the call for speakers. I was like, why would you be the person to speak about that? Right? Like why, why, why do, should we pick you instead of someone else? And obviously from the 130 people who applied, they were like, they were like 20 things that had nothing to do with what we asked. So that you direct to trash. But then from the rest, you do have some people that were just generically giving you talks that you know that you find already online that you like explanations about methods or systems or like how they do their things in companies which are not really like any different than how other companies do it so there was a lot of generic um generic approaches and that's kind of easy to to detect so 
my my um also people submitting like five different talks and it's like hey if you can do all of them like what's the what's 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 the difference between one or the other um so it really has to be about like what what is the one thing that you that you can that you can really serve and and if you're and if you know what the conference is about and what we're focusing on like how how does that fit um with that and and, and a great way to do that is like look at into like conferences programs from previous years and see which kind of talks they 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 chose and understand a little bit why would they be that they curated this and this and this after that um and try to yeah try to kind of reverse engineer that don't be too generic yeah definitely definitely no i am i might be biased but please like i just i don't want to hear another talk about how ai is overtaking the design yeah. <laughs> industry i am so I'm so tired of that. Yeah. I listen to so many of those talks. So let's say let's say we, we're doing well and we're designing a good event um, in a smaller city. Perhaps it was it was difficult to to get us off the ground, um, but now we have like a sizable community, and maybe we want to take things further, or maybe um, it's got a good momentum. What are some what are some bad ideas um, that you would try to advise us against doing? Let's say if we're planning for such events, um, like you know not having free beer. Or not having too many people spreading too thin, like you said. Um, oh yeah. So, uh, any other advice that you would you would have for for us not to do? Um, I would say anything that 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 kills the sort of the magic that you're supposed to create within that. So that could be, for example, to me, it's like events that are too large, right? When something is too large or too crowded, most of the people are introverts. They feel out of place. They want to leave. Um, obviously, what we talk about, like comfort, food, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's better that you that you most of the people that come come paid from the companies. So sometimes you're kind of like, ah, should this be like ten euros more? It's maybe too much to ask for that. And then you're like, no, actually put it in because no one's gonna care, but they are gonna care when they have to like go and queue and pay and you know all these kind of things that kind of kill the vibe as well. Um, I for us that's that's something very important that we don't want money in the conference running around. Like we don't care about that. Um, and uh, I think. I mean, there's there's so many things that can obviously like yeah, generic topics or or just like opening up the some people want to like grasp more and just be like hey this is a design conference or or product conference so everything goes and then it's like so hard to like really navigate that um I think it's uh yeah having obviously communicate well have the you know have the the program and the stuff like at hand let people navigate the venue and the place by themselves because otherwise it's really um it's really confusing and um and yeah and just obviously be have people around that are paying attention to what's going on and can fix whichever problems are are happening got it i remember some events with terrible toilets and really bad coffee i think those are the most memorable for the bad for the for the wrong reasons ah yes yeah so coffee is really important clean Clean toilets, clean bathrooms, those are really important as well. Yeah, I remember one uh, where uh, talks were back to back and there were just a few breaks. Yeah. And uh, I was just brain fried. Absolutely. By three talks happening one by one. Uh, and by the fourth talk, I weren't able to perceive any information or like to remember anything. And this is the this is one of the main things that people, especially like some older conferences did not understand yet about like what happened like pre-covid after covid it's a completely different world people don't go to conferences to just sit down and and watch the talks i mean obviously that's something that drives you there or that you might want to be interested in but 
the key element of a conference is the time that you have with your peers. So like have have the opportunities, not only the breaks, right? Like that's 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 obvious, obvious that you need the time to like connect with each other, but don't don't punish people if they're actually missing something or like, you know, don't make it so that they have to be somewhere or don't don't try to like guide everyone to be like five o'clock, everyone here. Because <laughs> this just makes it very stressful, right? And you don't you don't know how you're gonna feel at, at, at that time. We're like, hey, we record everything. Like you're not gonna miss out on like anything. Like you're gonna have it in like a week. So if you can wait, then it's fine. So relax and just go do whatever you want. Come see whatever you wanna see. Um, obviously there are people who are like, oh, but I, you know, I was missing this or I wanted to watch everything. And it was like, well, that's not the conference for you then. Yeah. 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 If I will want to sit and listen for two hours or three hours, I will call my grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. Just like sit and listen to stories like three hours on a go, like if all the stories about USSR. So, uh, about the future a bit, what can we expect from the next edition of the Hedge Conference? Any ideas, any any spoilers you have for us? I think one of the most interesting things that we're doing is like last year we had a three-day conference and the second day was a leadership atelier's day, which was a day just fully on workshops and master classes for people who are transitioning from design from senior designers into design leadership or were early design leaders. Uh, we're actually taking this second day and we're doing it as a standalone event of two days happening in Berlin and in Barcelona. Uh, and they're gonna happen the first half of the year. So around the beginning of May, um, so this is definitely like, it's a completely different thing because it's not a conference, right? It's purely like workshops, master classes. It's much, much smaller, 60 to 80 people. Um, it's also a different price because it is much more premium of an experience. But I think it will definitely be something that people are very, very excited about. Uh, the second day was definitely the day where people were like this. I never had this type of experience because a conference can be great, but it's a conference. Um, so on that side, I'm really excited about where that is going. And if by the time you're listening to this, there are tickets on sales or anything, you can check out leadershipateliers.com. Um, regarding hash specifically, I think there's, um, we, we, we want to change very little in terms of like what you can do there, but, uh, it's going to be slightly bigger. It's going to be, we, we have like 350, it's probably going to be like 450, but we're gonna open like a whole bigger stage, which was the dome um, that we had uh, last year, so it's just for day two. And it's gonna be it's gonna be a little more like a festival in a way, because Ooh. we're gonna have, you know, the outdoor area, we're gonna have a lot more going on and you're gonna miss out on more stuff. Nice. <laughs> but uh, it's gonna be a lot more, uh, yeah, the, the interactive side. And obviously we're gonna use the uh, outdoor part and the dates are in the yeah 6th of September, I believe. So it's like, very, uh, yeah. as well as, as any rain protection, <laughs> uh, we'll definitely have that, but, uh, yeah, definitely. That's something that we need to, we need to see what's possible in the, in the place because they obviously have the, their limitations, but we at least want to make sure that people can go from one stage to the other without getting wet. Maybe we give umbrellas in the gift bags, you know? Oh yeah. Umbrella can be part of your swag. I love the swag, by the way, there were the pins and the, the tote bags. And it was, it was something that the, you know, that I'm proud to carry, you know, not like maybe some other events, you know, this is, hey, this is cool, I attended this. And then if you spot somebody with this bag, you know, hey, like there's a fellow designer, you know, someone in your tribe, so. Yeah, this was one of the, I mean, we we obsessed about all the details and this is maybe what also makes the conference stand out. And something like the big gift bag was such a, such a hard thing to think about because on one side, you know, one is like, hey, there's so many like tote bags and like crap that you get on a, back it's you know environment we have to be environmentally conscious like what can we do 
we want people to have something nice, but at the same time, it's like, does it, does it make sense? So we really put a lot of effort to be like, hey, if we're going to put it in there, it has to be something that's really good to like either keep or that is very useful for that. So that's why we gave like, and obviously like a level of quality where you're like, we're not giving any like, you know, everything was, uh, you know, the, the bag is organic fair trade. And then we had like all of the stuff was recyclable materials except for the pins, but obviously the pins are metal. So we want people to keep them and use them. Um, so yeah, everything we, we, we try to give, make the best kind of uh, like level on that. But it's one of the most, it's one of the hardest things to, for people to agree on because when we um, when we survey people and what would you like as you know a gift bag or whatever it's like very different results completely different results so it's how to make it better and um how do you see the future of such events in the design industry evolving over the next few okay. years let's say? um i'd like to think that they will become as specific as we are or even more you know like to the like i would i would like to see the end of this giant generic events that that really don't serve anyone and just everything becoming a lot more specific, um, particularly for us, you know, because, you know, when you, when you start a conference and it starts getting big, people are sending you like, okay, like what's the next city? Are you like expanding to like New York or something like that? And it's like, no, it's not really where we're going, but we still want to integrate as many people as possible. And that's where we started these mixers that are happening all around Europe. It's like meetups on the day before the conference starts and it's like free for everyone to attend. People then get a, a pass for the online conference and all this kind of stuff that that can really grow the audience without actually having to like repeat or, or expand. Um, we we also made the decision that to cap you know the the conference to what next year is going to be and never grow it again uh, because we don't believe that larger events are enjoyable anymore. Uh, so at a certain point we'll have to if the demand is as high as it is right now we're going to have to think of like how what's a fair way to like give tickets or or make people um, sign up for it um so it's not gonna be like a it's not gonna be like a co-play concert <laughs> hopefully not no 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 never uh i don't i don't want that and it's just it's just so impersonal and also we have these things like we have round tables or like uh formats that are meant to be like 15 20 people right so like you can't have 1000 people because then you need like 17 different rooms and there's no venue that can hold that without being like a hotel or something like this right we don't want to make it in a hotel <laughs> So it's uh yeah it's a conscious decision to just stay small and hey if, if we're you know if there's enough demand maybe someone sends another one like that's that's fine too. Damien, thank you so much for your time and for coming to our podcast and talking with us. It was a pleasure uh, uh, listening all these stories about Hatch and about how to uh, organize an event and all your tips and tricks. Thank you so much for your time, Damien. Thank you guys. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. All right, see you at Hatch. See ya. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. And share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. That will help us to grow. Stay tuned for more design talks.